What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Credo, and today I've got a coach who does everything in the game of baseball and more. So, enough me. Get your notepads out. Get your pens ready to take some notes. Get some insight. Get some perspective. Learn something new today. All right? But enough me. Let's get to know Coach Pakras. Coach Pakras, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got to where you are now. Well, Joe, first of all, thanks thanks for having us. I think it's really awesome that you're, that you're doing this for you know, uh, coaches and high school coaches and the college coaches. I even saw that you have some uh, pro guys on too, some uh, you know, hitting, co- or hitting coordinators and pitching coordinators and things of that such. And it's really awesome that you're getting guys on here from different levels. So I appreciate you for doing that. Um, me and my man, it's uh, it's 24 years. And so let's see, I've started at, you know, the high school level, moved up to the college level, and then did uh, some associate scouting as well. And for um, uh, the Astros and Marlins, and um, born and raised in, in North Alabama, and uh, let's see, and then we moved down to South Alabama about five years ago, or four and a half years ago, and uh, again on the private sector, uh, we did travel ball teams in North Alabama. We did, uh, you know, our training facility, a softball, baseball too, um, going on there. Um, and where we're a little different is it's not just kids come in and. and and do lessons. We we call it training because it is what it is. Yeah, you have the lesson portion, the, the you know the mental side and the physical side. We also do the training, the, the strength training, the 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 flexibility, the mobility teaching, etc. Basically, at the end of the day, what does the player need to be at their best? Um, and you know, teaching all game movements, whether it's velocity and grips and spins and and pitches from a pitching aspect, or if it's a hitter, they need. Bat speed, mechanical work, vision work, pitch recognition, or, or whatever it may be. Maybe they do run faster, whatever it is. Um, and we do group settings. That way it makes it very competitive and make it more like in-game settings. Um, so anyway, we did that in North Alabama seven and a half years up there. and have travel ball teams, moved out here to South Alabama. We have kids from, uh, you know, the panhandle of Florida to Mississippi, um, you know, obviously Alabama. Um, and so we have... Again, baseball, softball side. On the softball side, my wife Jen does that. She is a Tencher certified instructor, which is very hard to do. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think the next one is like five, six hundred miles away. And so she does a really good job with there. Yeah, she works hitters too, um, but she really just has a, a passion on the, on the pitching side. Um, on the baseball side, we teach everything: you know, pitching, hitting, speed, agility, strength, power, flexibility, etc. And we have travel. We start travel teams down here too. We're going on our fourth year with that and in three years we've had over 30 kids sign um and then on our training side man we we what makes it a little bit different like so we track everything uh we have a player board when the kids walk in of where they started to where they are today from youth all the way up to you know college players um we also have the software where anytime they test on anything we type it in parents and players have access to it anytime they want when the players um, numbers are quote-unquote sellable college coaches or pro scouts then we can get that information out there to them or the kids can you know send emails out to college coaches of their interests or what their level fits and they have their numbers to back it up and videos as well so we really really want to help the kids get to the next level um if it's a goal of theirs obviously they wouldn't be training with us if they, if they didn't want to get there um in 24 years we've had 11 draft picks and over 230 college players so we really try to help those guys and, and girls on the recruiting side. And now it's even harder than ever. Um, recruiting, as you probably know, because of the, the wonderful transfer portal that's out there. Um, 
high school kids get a short end of the stick um, where now their scholarships, you're, they're now going against other college players. And I'm not saying it's wrong or, or right. College coaches have to do what they have to do to win today to save their job. Um, but what stinks is these high school kids are now going against that. So they need, all, they need all the help they can get. So you've been around a lot of really good baseball players, and you've gotten to witness a lot of really good baseball. What do you think is the greatest performance that you've ever seen personally firsthand on a baseball field? Greatest performance, man, that's a big question right there. Um, I have probably forgotten more than I can remember over the years, to be honest. Um, I won't say it's the greatest performance because I'm going to word that right. But I'm, but I'm going to give you a story, a small story, don't take long at all, that's more motivating. Because it's, it's one that stands out that I use on a regular basis. Um, and so it's kind of interesting. So as I mentioned, I was a subject scout in, um, well, for the Marlins at this time. And I went to, go, went to a high school game to watch this one particular kid. And, and this kid, ended up, he ended up being drafted in the fourth round, turned it down, went to SEC school, um, was MVP, and we still talk today, but he was in the, and um, so he turned it down, then uh, became ACC MVP at Auburn, actually, um, and then ended up being a um, fourth-round pick again, and then, uh, so he did well. But my point is, was there to watch him? Well, the high school team he's playing against wasn't the best physical team um, at all, overall. But again, you know, you got to watch these kids more than once. This other young man from this other team they were playing hits a ground ball to second. Okay, so you always have to have a stopwatch ready, and you never know. Hit the stopwatch. All right, at this time the kid's hitting right-handed, so I made that point at this time. He runs home, he runs to first base. Okay, he runs a four-two, like absolutely just it's just scooting. So wow, that's that's pretty interesting. So we do a pre-draft workout, and that's all I needed to see. And I just wanted to bring this kid in. I, don't, I mean, other at bats he had, you know, were, wasn't they were competitive, but he wasn't just. You know, hitting lasers and stuff like that. I'm like, let's just bring him in just in case, because obviously he has the running down. Well, he's up running the 60, a 619, and a 621. Okay, no one knows about this kid at all, nothing about him all. So I'm like, hmm, interesting. Let's see if he can do, let me see if he can hit left handed. And it wasn't, it wasn't atrocious. It wasn't bad. It was maybe, maybe doable, whatever. So I called a local college coach and told him about this kid. I said, look, he's not draft ready by any means, but the wheels are there. And the athleticism is there, and the arm strength was it, it was okay. It wasn't subpar, but it was okay. And he wasn't physically yet, uh, or physical yet. You know, he just just wasn't what you were looking for. And this is when the draft was forty rounds too, not twenty as it is today. So anyway, he goes on to the junior college and and works out with this coach, and the coach offers him on the spot. He's like, "Yeah, I can work with this kid. I'm gonna try to make him a switch hitter or or just dominant left side, so he gets the first base quicker, right?" So the kid ends up going to his junior college for two years and ends up being drafted by the Braves in the fifteenth round. All because he beat out a ground ball a second, one game. Wow, that is a really cool story that, you know, is motivating. You never know who's watching is the old cliche. You never know who's watching. But, you know, you've built this thing in Alabama, and I'm curious on what was the motivation to building this facility um, for you? Yeah, so um, we had the, you know, had the one in North Alabama, and um, – a buddy of mine actually get ended up getting a high school job down here at, at a pretty prominent school, um, and we, we actually a lot of, we train a lot of kids from there too, and you know which is awesome. And we've helped a lot of kids from that school already move on to the collegiate level. So I just you know sent him a text, say man, congratulations on the on the job. And 
really was just joking, kidding, because he, he knew what we were doing with Alabama and everything else. And plus, we just had our son. And I said, hey, man, save me a spot on your staff. Totally kidding. He knew I was joking, too. And he was like, man, I need a, I need a pitching guy because he's a hitting guy. And uh, he said, I know you know both, but if you can do pitch. I said, man, you know I can't move down there right now. He said, we, we, and he goes, uh, he said, well, to be honest, there's really nothing down here that does everything you guys do. Like, there's lessons stuff. But there's no training. There's no the recruiting side. The, the travel ball is, you know, you know the teams aren't, aren't, aren't uh, you know, kind of like the kids are spread out, basically. My kids had to go north, south, east, west to find a legit teams and all this stuff. He says, so really it's wide open if you guys ever – you know, contemplating on making a move or anything. He said, I'll be glad to help you out because I trust what you do. And me and this coach have went to, um, you know, Alabama camps and other schools and, and have assisted with them. So we, you know, we knew each other quite well. And um, so anyway, we already had a family vacation planned in uh, Gulf Shores and Orange Beach area. So we thought, hmm, we'll take a day or two um, beforehand and go in there and really just kind of drive around and look around. And, and literally, he was 100% correct. Um, there, there's nothing here at all. Uh, or wasn't and um, so we're like whoa this is something really to look into well Baldwin County Alabama is the fastest growing county in Alabama and the seventh fastest growing county in the nation and so like okay there's there's some possibilities here well not even a year later we closed up shop North Alabama and got a place down here and um, bought a house and everything else and started a business down here from scratch and we have where it is today um Trial ball teams, softball, baseball, um, over somewhat about 100 players that come in weekly, over 30 college players already, and we're going to build up from there, uh, building to get a new facility too. Uh, that's the goal. Um, now we're a New Balance Future Star Series, working with them. I'm a regional director for them. Um, if they do softball, Jan will be with them too. Um, we're about to connect, even though we're a coastal sports academy. Uh, we're about to, even though we're connected with Future Stars, we're about to connect with Sports Academy, which is out of California and, and South Florida and Texas, and uh, go under their umbrella uh, uh, with a travel ball um, standpoint so we can maximize this and help our kids even more. Um, so, man, we're just growing, growing, growing. There, there's, no, there's no relaxed time around our house at all. It is it's ball 24-7. Um, sleeping and that's it. But I wake up, you know, feet on the ground going from the time I wake up till 10 o'clock at night when we get done. So let's talk about, you know, the development of your athletes. And I know that the weight room is a huge aspect of it. Um, I was just at a little thing yesterday uh, in the St. Louis area uh, with a pretty big organization that does a lot of the similar things up here in St. Louis. And they were just talking about, you know, consistency in the weight room, making sure that you're building your athletes to be mobile and flexible and strength. And so what do you think for you guys is some of the big reasons you guys have had such a success in developing your athletes? Yeah. So it's, um, it's beneficial, uh, you know, over these 24 years that, um, we got certified or certified strength and conditioning coaches. Um, and, and, you know, even have a background of, you know, personal training too, and not just, you know, um, in the weight room, but athletes in general. So you, you know, you learn the science behind the body. You know, you learn the, the anatomy of the body. And, and you know, baseball is so unique. Um, you know, yeah, it's different than, you know, whatever it may be, volleyball or basketball or whatever. Especially dealing with pitchers. That, that's a unique factor as well. Uh, would be baseball or softball too because all the stress that applies to all the smaller muscle groups and tendons and ligaments. And all that comes into play. Um, 
So to say all that, yeah, you're 1,000% correct. They, they have to get in the weight room. Mechanics are fine and dandy, and, that, and that's great. So you have a, you know, hypothetically, a kid has a great swing, and that's awesome. But his bat speed is 50 miles an hour, and exit velocity is like 60 or whatever it may be. There's no power behind that. So you can have phenomenal mechanics, but where's the strength and the power and the fast twitch and explosives behind that? And, and vice versa. You know, a kid can be very explosive, but he's swinging a bat, throwing a ball, whatever, and the body, you know, and so the mechanics aren't, aren't, aren't great. So it's accumulating all that together. Um, yeah, man, so kids today, they'll use the, um, and they don't know because someone, you know, someone besides ourselves or someone who's experienced outside of that, they don't have anyone. But nutrition uh, and weight room, you know, you have heavy lifts and you have your moderate lifts and then you have your flexibility that you talked about and hip mobility, ankle mobility, knee, shoulder, you know, all that comes into play and it, gets, it can get very technical. And we try not to. We try to make it simplistic so kids can understand. I say kids, college players, pro players too. They're not really kids per se, but they need to be educating their body also. Um, but the nutrition factor is, you know, a player will come in like, Coach, I can't gain any weight. I just, I just eat till I get full. Yeah, but you're 165 pounds. You, you want to be 175, you have to eat like you're already there. Not that you're 165. There's a difference. You know, so, you know, the the protein intake, the carbohydrate routine, I mean, all that comes into play. So, analytically, right, you know, you're talking about bat speed and exit velocity. How much of a role does analytics play into the development of your athletes? Of our athletes, um... It does come into play. It's funny that you said that because we had again we had our New Balance Future Stars uh, regional um, combine yesterday, and Jeremy Booth and Pat Murphy were there. And you're looking at you know 30, 35 years of Major League Baseball experience of scouting and, and scouting directors positions, not just you know area scouts alone, and, and which is great. But I'm talking about these guys moved up the ladder, and that was one of the discussions we had. It's some you know, and again I know you're talking about us, but I'm gonna get to that. Is we want as instructors or as coaches or as, you know, whatever, college coach or whatever, we have to see what takes place at the high, highest level. And what I mean by that is, okay, what do they do? What do they itemize or what do they think is important to share with their players? Yeah, you're dealing with adults, and I get it. We could, But as it moves down levels, Division One, Division Two, NIA, JUCO, whatever, high school-wise, you know, what do they see up there that's rewarding and then how can we water that down or make it understanding for our players, but also understand the importance of it to say that. Some major league baseball teams are more analytic driven than using a you know a, a scout's eye or what they can do on the field. Okay, we get that, understand that, and that there's variables there. But from a high school perspective, you know, I look at it this way, you have gamers, the kids that, that when the lights are on, they they get after, they grind, they have high baseball IQ, they're uh, they think quickly. They move quickly. It's just that they just have these instincts that you, you can't see in a, in, a, in a MLB report from an analytic standpoint. Now, you put it in a, in a report, you see that. But from analytics, you can't see that. A computer can't see that. Numbers can't see that. So you have gamers, and then you have, quote-unquote, analytics or, like, showcase-type numbers. Okay? So numbers are great. Run the 60, the 40, the 10, the, the, the shuttle, agility movements, the broad jump, et cetera, et cetera throwing below, exit below, all, all that's, it has value. But at the end of the day, we want you to be, we want you to have value in analytics, yes, no doubt, but we want you to have value on the field too. That way, you have twice as much information to give to a college coach or a major league scout, whatever it is. 
Now, if a kid doesn't have a high baseball IQ or, or, or he's not a quote-unquote gamer, but he has the numbers, well, we know there's athleticism there. We know, there, we know there's projectability there. But then how do we transfer that to the field? Well, then, he, then that particular kid does need to play more. As in, does he need to do some fall ball? Does he need to you know, play very, very extremely competitive baseball and not play? It needs to be in the program, and I'm just going to be honest with you, that in our program, we practice. And we also train, too. We don't just show up in games and play. And I'm not knocking anybody who does that. But in, in this particular instance, this kid needs that. He needs to be taught the game. So now he increases his value. And then on the other spectrum, you have the kid who's a gamer and his analytic numbers, bat speed, running, whatever, isn't the greatest. Well, now he needs to train more. He still needs to play. Sure, get his name out because so, that's what he needs to play. But he needs to, he needs to train more, too, whether that be – twice as much in the summer and crush it in off season or whatever to get his numbers up, that way he increases the value. It's in like basically two buckets. So let's take it to the scouting, right? You do some scouting things and let's use the analytics conversation we were just having. How much does analytics play into a role when you're going to scout um, players and athletes at these events? Um, you, you can never take away a, a scout's eye. Like literally, like vision, seeing, observing, um, even if it's video, uh, which obviously that's important. But there's there's other variables, um, you know, that goes into play. A scout's going to show up, um, whether it be a hitter, a pitcher, whatever it is. They're not going to show up at game time. They're they're going to show up before the game. They're going to watch you warm up. They're going to see how you relate to other players. Um, you know how your coaches are and how you carry yourself. Um, and that's that's. One of the things, one of the one of the five tools is is the mental makeup, uh, or six tools, if you would, in some cases, uh, the mental makeup, how you carry yourself, and how you adapt to uh, in-game situations. Uh, maybe you don't like the umpire zone that day. Well, that's that you can do about it. You just have to adjust. Um, you know, that's part of the mental makeup. Um, if you're on the mound and you can't find it the first inning, and you know the control isn't there, or breaking ball one particular pitch isn't there, fastball, whatever, can you adjust, or are you going to you know show your tail out there and and, you know, and it's kind of like you're spoiled a little bit because you're not, things aren't going the way that you want them to go. No, it's called maturity and mental makeup, and you have to make the adjustment. But there's things like that. That's not even the physical side. That's just observing and, and figure, figuring out the character of the kid before the game or, or during the game. Um, and then you get into the physical side of, okay, well, I mean, we can be, you and I can have this conversation and be tedious of uh, middle infielder, outfielder, you know, hitters, pitchers, whatever. But at the end of the day, you, you know, scouting view, you can't, you can never, ever, um, I mean, honestly, just can't. That's why scouts are scouts. They're watching, observing, watching you, you know, all the moves that you make and um, and seeing, that again, how you perform. That's great. Oh, a kid throws 95. Well, that's awesome. But does it move? Does it sink? Does it ride? Uh, what's his off-speed pitches like? Can you throw it on any account? Um, what, you know, what's his tempo like? Are his mechanics repeatable? You know, then you get to the hitters. Are they balanced at the plate? Um, you know, what's the swing like? Does it have good extension? Is it not? Does you know? Does it, uh, is there any mechanical flaws that can be adjusted, or, or they look? You know, does he look stiff? You know, there's so many different things. But again, that's vision. That has nothing to do with the numbers yet. Um, so now the numbers just come into play to add to your opinion of the player and his projectability of like the 2080 scale. So, okay, I saw the guy play, excellent. All right, so I need some reads on him from an analytical side or from a 
athletic side of testing to kind of more or less have an idea of his projectability down the road, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And so my next question, kind of going back into the you know development of athletes, why, what are some of the reasons or some of the ways or you know whatever it may be that some guys just develop more than others or quicker than others? What do you think are some of the reasons that some players are just their growth in terms of their ability as an athlete is quicker, faster, uh, sooner than others? Um, so um, obviously genetics come into play with that tremendously. Um, now, not, not to not to knock a kid whose family genetics are, are not the best. At the end of the day, they they just have to, you know, cliche per se is you know work harder, and that's true to a point. Um, but also those who you know just take a kid that's I don't know, let's make this up, a five ten, one hundred eighty pounds, right? So let's say like a the average major league guy might be like you know, five eleven, six foot roughly, one eighty five, one ninety, whatever. So you're looking pretty close to the same there. Is what are you good at? In, in that in that in that instance, you know, if a kid is not growing, his growth plates are closed and mom and dad's, you know, dad's five eleven balls on both sides are five eleven and you know my mom's five six, whatever it is, then odds are that the bloodline genetics, they are what they are. Well, well that doesn't mean he can't play. I mean, look at Altuve and Bregman and some of all, all those guys. They know what they're good at, you know. So my point is, is are they disciplined at the plate? Is their baseball IQ high? Do they generate more power with their legs than what the, than maybe someone like a judge or a Stanton has to do, you know, to drive the ball to the gaps and, you know, and uh, again, uh, keeping the strikeouts down because we're talking about hitters. And pitchers really isn't different either. Um, okay, so a pitcher is 90, you know, five. Again, we'll use that number, 95, okay, and the growth plates are closed, whatever, whatever. Well, 95 is pretty good for a kid that's 5'10", you know, 190. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, you know, um, let's see, uh, trying to think of uh, some of the pitchers that's, I mean, Billy Wagner back in the day, you know, then you have Strider right now. I mean, but look at Strider's trunks, his legs, his core. I mean, he's, he's muscular. So you have those guys. Um, and I even go to the youth side, to be honest, because I think this is uh, from a youth perspective. I know you're asking for older, but really from youth, just because a kid's really good at 11 or 12 years old doesn't mean he's going to be really good at 16, 17 years old. It just means he hit puberty first. That, that, that's it. You know, and, and those kids, unfortunately, are told how good they are and how special they are, and they may be in, in, at that age. But then they, they forget there's work involved. You know, and, and the other kid that maybe, you know, was average or some people gave up on is now busting his rear end, and he is playing collegiately at 16, 17 years old. You know, it's again, it's genetics, it's just you know, puberty at, at, the, at the young age. So that that has a lot to do with it. Um, and then you get into the weight room again. You know, the weight room, the strength, the work ethic. Um, some kids, uh, you know, they're good players, like I said, and, and they are better than others. And then they decide, oh, I don't need to work as hard anymore because I'm, I'm head and shoulders from the rest. That's fine. You, you keep that mentality and, and, and let me know how long you're going to play this game. It's not going to be long. You know, so anyway, to answer your question, it's, you know, really from early point is, is genetics. Um, but again, over time, give me the, give me the blue collar kid that stayed at the grind and stay focused, stay consistent, you know, give me that kid, you know, every day. So let's take it to the summer baseball circuit. And I know down South, it's got to just be 
super competitive in the summer. We're here in Missouri and St. Louis area in particular. It, you know, you got a ton of teams, you got a ton of athletes, you got, you got a lot of facilities. What are your thoughts on summer baseball and the direction it's going? Do you think it's greatly beneficial to the game of baseball? Do you think there's some issues with it? What are your thoughts on summer baseball? Okay. I'll start with the, the positives. Um, you know, we touched on the recruiting side because really at the end of the day, let's be honest, majority of kids play summer ball to get looks, the, the older kids, right? Um, and the new NCAA rules where kids can't get offered until they're 16, 17 years old. So, you know, that obviously changes things a little bit. Um, and what I mean by is 15-year-olds can get on the radar, you know, of, of schools and then, you know, move forward if, if they're like, a, you know, a legit D1 guy. And the other younger guys are there to, 40, 50-year-old kids are there to develop and get better. That That's where, you know, we're different, where we're going to practice, we're going to train, and we're going to play. Um, because we want you, we want to see you at 17 and, and, and live your dream, if that's what it is, to develop. We're not going to show up and just play games. Uh, we're, we're going to develop you. Uh, we're going to practice. But from an older kid's standpoint, these college coaches, that's their off time. And, and I don't I mean off away from the team. And so even though they're off in the summer, a lot of them are just hitting the, um, the tournaments and watching kids play. Um, and then you get into the fall, either they're taking notes or they like a kid and they build relationships with them, call them, text them, whatever it may be. And then, or maybe they saw a kid that caught their eye and they take a note. Well, then going back in the fall or the next fall, these schools are going to have showcases, camps, or you know, whatever, whatever it is, and invite that kid there. And they want to see that kid again. Now, any college coach, any pro scout will tell you they're not going to see a kid one time. You know, they're, I mean, they're, they want to see him multiple times because they're looking at consistency. Maybe he had a game of his life, and then they saw him again, and maybe he's pretty rough. Uh, then they want to see him again, you know. Um, so that so summer ball comes into play, really, really helpful from the older kids to get looks, to be seen, to see you in a competitive uh, situation, um, and, and get your name out. Uh, for the younger kids, like I said, it's more the development side, putting them in very competitive settings, um, and it can be motivating. Number one, if I'm, say, 15 years old and I think I'm pretty good, then I'm going to go play in, in some big-time tournaments, and I see these other 15-year-olds from wherever it may be, Texas, South Florida, you know, California, whatever, and they're legit. Now I've, I've opened my eyes. I'm like, oh, I've got to get to work because I thought I was pretty good, but I'm really just a product of my environment. As in, just because I'm pretty good doesn't mean at my school or on my travel team, whatever, there's other kids out there that are better than me. And if I want to play college baseball one day, they're going after the scholarship that I want. So I better get to work. Um, from the business side of things, man, to be honest, it's uh, um, it, it, it's tough from the negative side. And I mean tough. And I'm, I, I'm putting that mildly. Um, too many organizations have made it a business. Uh, and I'll be the first. Um, we are, uh, and again, I'm gonna speak for we because because we do it too. Um, we're an open book. Um, you know, I've got a uh, a baseball director guy who who does the, um, you know all of our stuff on the side that helps me because I'm going ninety to nothing with with the um, uh, academy training, academy training kids, training players, college players, etc. Um, then also our young young kids writing everything up weekly to get prepared for them, and then you know travel ball teams. We're trying to get a new facility, a new bounce resource stuff. So he helps me tremendously, and uh, so to say that we're open book. So my point is, if if parents are just you know, hey, your cost is this, 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 you know, yeah, but tournaments are you know, whatever it may be, fifteen hundred to you know three thousand dollars a piece, and I get it. 
I've ran tournaments before. I understand it, especially when you have multiple locations, and those locations get expensive. So, you know, I, I get all that, and I get the umpire. I do understand that. The umpires you have every game and the cost of facilities and all that. But I do feel like some are too expensive and make it from a business side, which is ridiculous. Um, and, and, again, this is not us. I'm just hoping to make something up. Let's say a travel ball team was $3,000 per player to play. And they play in five tournaments. And they're all travel tournaments, as in the parents have to travel. Now parents have to pay for gas and food and hotel accommodations. So by the time they end, they end they're paying $12,000 or whatever it may be for the summer. And that's fine if that's what they want to do. I mean, it's, it's a personal preference. But that's one year. So they do it for four years. Now you're paying $50,000. Now you get a $100,000 scholarship at the end of the day. It was well worth it, right? Sure. But how can we help these families out where we say, okay, here's your, here's your amount. Here's everything your son gets. And maximize that opportunity for the kids and give them some stuff back, whether it be New Balance for your Star Scout days, whether it be you know, uh, a, uh, a day that you bring in some you know, college coaches or staff members for player development, um, you know, I, you know, what can we do to help the kids and their families? Um, you know, so, so man, there's there's a lot of pros to summer ball. Of course, obviously, there's a lot more pros than cons, but the, the the cons are usually on the, in most cases, on the financial end for families, which which sucks. So let me ask you this: If I'm a parent looking for a facility for a home for my kid to grow and develop as an athlete and to maximize my money for, you know, what we're getting. What are some of the questions I should be asking? And so what are some of the things I should be looking for when selecting a club or an organization to play with in the summer? That's a great question, man. And, and, and all parents should ask that. I mean, every single parent should ask that for sure. <clears throat> and if someone cannot answer that thoroughly and immediately, then I would just walk out the door, hang up the phone, and not to be rude, but it's just, you know, if, if they can't answer that right away, then they, they don't have a goal. You know, for the for your kid or for any kid. Um, so to say that, number one is player development. Whether you're at a youth level or a pro level, development is development. Improving is improving, right? So I could tell you, Joe, you call me, you you know, on the phone. Hey, I want to get my son, daughter, in your facility, whatever. What all do you guys do? Which is a very common question that we do, and and that that can be lengthy from the get go because we do so much ourselves. Um, but, but I will, I'll rephrase that for them and help them out a little bit. And it's not being rude. It's really just being helpful. And I'll say, we are a true 1,000% player development program. And that, and that helps kind of speed up the, the, the conversation. Um, and not to make it shorter, it just helps them out. Okay, well, what can you tell me? Right? Okay, sure, be glad to. We want to help your son or daughter be the best player they can be on the field. All right? Now, is your son or daughter a pitcher or are they a position player or are they both? All right, so this is how we, this is some ideas and things that we do. Now, I don't know your son or daughter from Adam or Susie at all, um, but I'll just tell you what here's some ideas. But it's so broad of the ideas that it's when a kid comes in, we watch, observe, and take notes on them after it's over with, go the next day, plan them for them again. Then, as we continue, then we're saying, okay, hey, this is what we see that's consistent. Because it's not a one-stop. You can't come in and do a lesson or a training one time and think it's a magic pill. That, that's not how this game works. It, it, it doesn't at all. <clears throat> it's 1% better each day is what people say, and, that, and that's true. And, and then on our, on our end, too, that's why we track everything. 
So nobody can ever say that they brought their son or their daughter to us personally. I don't know about everybody else. And can't say that they didn't improve in these areas because our numbers back that up. We, we test them, you know, four to six weeks. Um, and over time, you're going to see improvement. When you walk in our facility, our player boards are there. Every active player is up there. And every active player has their beginning numbers to where they are today. Um, to me, that, that's proof in the pudding when you can show it. Otherwise, it's just an opinion. But if you don't have anything to back it up, then, you know, it, again, it's just an opinion. It's, it's not facts. So, Coach, let's say you had the opportunity to present at the ABCA convention this upcoming winter. What would you think you'd want to present on? And then could you give us a little snippet of what that might sound like? Man, that would be that would be an honor, number one. Uh, I've been to those events multiple times. Um, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of my coaching buddies have, have actually um, been on stage, and the main stage at that. Um, and so it was cool to see them and, and hang out with them afterwards and all that. So... Man, I don't know. I'd, I'd be comfortable pretty much whatever they whatever they wanted. You know, at the end of the day, they, they ask coach the same question you asked, and they say, okay, we haven't touched on these subjects. You know, how do you feel about this, this, this? Um, Joe, my passion, honestly, at the end of the day is, um, is again, it's player development, but I, I'd probably say, you know, player development recruiting is, is kind of hand-in-hand for my passion. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you where it came from, and, you know, it's not a long story at all. <clears throat> And I've, and I've told some of my players this. I never want them in the position that I was in as a, as a senior in high school. And, and what that means is I wanted to play college baseball really, really bad. Keep in mind, Joe, it's a couple years before the Internet, okay? So I'm, I'm not, you know, I wasn't driving a chariot at school or anything, but it's, it's 1998, okay? It wasn't that too long ago. Um, so back then you had to fax everything to college coaches, you know, your stats and, and, and all that, and, you know, for this about it. Um office phones and, and, and home phones, uh, dial-ups, not the cell phones or anything like that. Um, couldn't scan anything and email it to them. So anyway, my parents and I did my recruiting. And, uh, yeah, I had a high school coach too, but, you know, he, he just uh, he didn't have a lot of connections at the time. Good dude, good guy, uh, but just didn't have a lot of connections, and, and that's okay. You know, not, not all coaches do, and uh, they should uh, over time. You know, they should, they should do that, help their players, but uh, that's, a, you know, that's another subject for another day. Uh, but anyway, we did all of my recruiting for me, and I didn't get my first offer until mid-July after my senior year. School starts in August, and man, you're talking about—I um, mean, just heart dropping. Where am I going to go? Going to these, going to these workouts, and you know, in July, June, and July, and no one really knew, you know, who I was, and you know, I went to some camps and stuff like that. But in the showcases, wasn't as big as they are today. And so you had to have help. Um, so anyway, uh, that was just very stressful because uh, you have a dream, you have you you, you put all your passion into something, but you just don't know if it's going to happen. Um, and my parents were blue collar um, you know, folks. Uh, Dad worked in a steel mill. Mom worked in a t-shirt shop. So we wouldn't, you know, it just is what it is. It was either that or you know maybe you know academics, but that that was it, man. And um, so I, I never want a player to go through that stress. And so I want to help them as much as I possibly can on the recruiting side. And, and, and also they have to understand just because you want to do it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Your, your, your numbers, as we talked about, and your ability uh, and your academics have to be sellable. Like I, I, can't, I can't help you if 
you know, you're a right-handed pitcher throwing 70 and you're 17 years old. There's not a lot I can do for you. Um, that's why we want to help you as much as we can earlier as what it may be, a seventh grader, eighth grader, youth, whatever it is. And then that way you, your numbers are ready. We'll get your name out earlier. Let's help you as much as we possibly can and make, and make this dream happen for you. All right, Coach, I'm going to wrap up this podcast with this question right here. It's a little fun one, um, especially someone like you who does a lot of training and development. You'll have some good insight on this. Do you think if you took every NFL quarterback, handed them a baseball, and said, I need you to do a pull down, do you think every NFL quarterback is capable of touching 90 miles an hour on a pull down? Everyone that is – that's uh... – I would say yes off the bat, but also I'm not a one-step thinker either. I'm not an emotional decision maker. Um, you would just think. I mean, you would think 100% could do that, yeah, because a football is around 15, 16 ounces, and a, and a baseball is five ounces. So you would think that that, that, would, that would translate and be able to do that. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. I'm sure there's a small percentage that maybe cannot for whatever reason, but I would, I would think it's pretty close to 100%. Am I, am I right on that, or do you know the answer? No, I have no idea. It's just a fun question to ask. I mean, I would think so. I would think so. You think you throw a, a you know, 15, 16 ounce ball, 50, 60 yards, you'd be able to throw a, a balanced baseball 90 miles an hour with arm strength. So I, it's got to be close, man. Hey, something fun, something fun that you could do is do a study. Um, the equation of how far you can throw a football and how it translates to how hard you can throw a baseball. Yeah, I can tell you this from a long, long, uh, long toss perspective. If you, you know, again, there's variables like there always is in everything. If you can long toss a, a baseball field a length of, of a I'm sorry long toss a baseball at the length of a football field, there's supposed to be quote unquote 90 miles an hour in your arm, if not more. Again, I said in your arm. That doesn't mean in your lats, in your core, in your lower back, in your legs. Obviously, those come into play. So the arm strength alone is there. It's just is the lower body and the core strength and all that is that there also? Because I've had that happen before. Um, a kid was 87, 88, and could long toss 335, like 335 uh, feet. Um, so basically end zone, end zone for the most part. And he's 87, 88. Well, there's some muscle weaknesses there, so what's going on? So we had to go with a little bit more in-depth testing, and he was, uh, his lats were not strong as they needed to be, and core and hips were lacking. So we just put the focus on that. The next thing you know, over time, he's, you know, he's 92, 93. Yeah, 